The Human Centric Podcast. The podcast all about the talents of today and tomorrow. Presented by Deutsche Telekom. Welcome to the Human Centric Podcast. And today we have a very special topic. We called it Dare to Show Up. Today we have our honored guest, Simone Wamstecke. And Simone is the CTO of Deticon, which is a telecommunication subsidiary. It's our consultancy company for management and technology. And Simone is the CTO in this company, coming with extensive background from BCG Accenture and right now shaping up the future in Deutsche Telekom along with us. And Dare to Show Up is a very special topic for us. When uh, Simone, Han and I, we have been preparing It took us into so many different places. It's about diversity. Yeah, it's about diversity in terms of gender, nationality. It's about diversity of thinking, but it's also about actually taking accountability and responsibility for this diversity. So listen up. Welcome. Thank you so much, Svetlana. Thank you so much, Anne. Can you share your story, Simona? A bit of your background. Where are you coming from? How did you reach this place where you currently are? I can definitely. Thank you. And it's a bit daring to show up here as well for me today. So <laughs> it all started back in the southern part of Germany, to be honest with you. It was a smaller town in the southern part of Germany. We had a, a lovely and cozy life there. A lot of pretzels, as probably some of you might know, is for breakfast the main thing. And I was always looking a bit towards the river of mine, towards north of the river of mine, beyond that kind of boundary. And I was always amazed and also attracted by everything that is beyond that river. So I started my studies in Cologne, which I'm currently now back with Datacon, which is mm -hmm. quite nice and quite amazing. Yeah, and then uh, there my journey kind of began. I, I started to work then in a smaller consultancy, finally got to Accenture, had my first few years in the consultancy part. I already found a lot of friends and a lot of good company on the one hand side, but also kind of was introduced to a lot of the programs and the thinking that I'm still into it, like innovation, digitization already in that very early stage. So that was kind of my first encounter with everything that was beyond the river of mine, which was a, an amazing world for me back then in consulting. So I traveled quite for some time and As one can imagine, after sometimes you're getting a, a little bit more mature, um, you have to find the things that really attract you and, and track you. So I came across my husband, uh, my <laughs> um, back in Accenture as well. So uh, we got married, family life kicked in, we had our first child. And uh, with that and an exciting role coming to my occasion was that I had the possibility to change my role from consulting into the HR area. And uh, with that, I was implementing the recruiting system for the DACH region for Germany, Austria and Switzerland. And yeah, then I kind of find it very attractive, even more attractive than I would have thought earlier. So yeah, that was the first challenge with another few to come in that 
different roles in Accenture in the HR area. So we had a huge step on technology consulting. We did a lot about digitization there already. And we also had a lot to do with diversity, which kind of is now the reason for our conversation today. And there kind of it all started for me, at least. I was just curious, uh, Simona, when you say of all these experiences of like digitalizing and working with HR the way you were doing, that sounds to me like it must have been early. Were you like pioneers in this field? To some extent we were. Yeah, I think so. I think within Accenture, we really had quite a pushy environment bringing us to more digitization already very early on. So we were one of the first ones who had an online application form, for example, that was really fancy in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And so there were more things to follow, like the configurator. And I'm sure we will be talking about that a bit later in our talk today. But this was on the back of diversity as well. So we, we needed a solution for diversity or to attract more diverse talent. And we came up with this configurator. And uh, I can tell all about that a little Super bit later, crazy. but but that was kind of my first bringing together diversity and also uh, digitization, innovation and all of that stuff. I'm curious why out of all the range of topics you dealt with, also as a CTO at that time, now you picked up Dare to Show Up and the topic of diversity. Why is it standing out for you? I think it's driven by two facts. So first of all, a very business driven one, and we will be talking about that later as well. I mean, we would be losing out on 50% of the talent market. It's just a mm. mere necessity to do so. And we know that there is a lot of good talent out there in the market. So why not tap into it and mm. why not make sure that we also make those roles attractive for women if we're talking about gender diversity, but also for other mm. uh, areas of diversity. On the other hand, a, a very personal one. I have three daughters, mm. so I want wow. them. <laughs> I want them to be chosen purely because of their talent and because of nothing else. Here, here. And this is a, a very, a very good reminder every day I wake up in the morning. So that's actually a, a very personal urgency for me to make that happen for everybody. I'm sure yeah. every parent can relate. I'm actually the mother of two sons <laughs> and I would still really, really kind of light the fire for your three daughters. <laughs> I think it's very important that we uh, have this conversation and yeah, get it right this time perhaps. Well, if we are diving into this topic of diversity, I want to bring it back up from the prep conversation that we had, Simona, because you said something mm -hmm. so beautiful. You said that you wish we didn't need to have this conversation. So <laughs> that's very true. Take us into yeah. that. So tell, tell us more about that. Yeah. You remember my uh, starting idea of being north of the river of mine. So my north star, so to speak, is also that we live in a world where we don't have to talk about diversity anymore. It's really about talent. It's really mm. about what everybody brings to make our lives better, to make our companies better, to make our solutions better, and especially in terms of Datacon, yeah, to come up with better solutions for our clients mm. and to really have different angles of a solution. So we have so often the experience that if you have very alike minds, you only cater for these alike humans or these alike people. 
So the more you broaden up the ideas, you accelerate the possibility of better solutions, of broader solutions, of solutions that address more people than just your narrow, small circle you're having around you. So there's that argument, and it's so important, isn't it, that if you have diversity, whatever that means, we haven't yet really defined it. If you have diversity around a meeting table, then the results of that conversation will be richer and the outcomes will be presumably more intelligent because more views have been heard or more perspectives have been heard. It is such a big word these days, diversity, and I find it such an important word to get right in this day and age and to try and kind of get our brains around everything that's been happening, especially across the pond in the USA. But it's it has leaked to here to Europe as well, hasn't it, with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's come True. with it. Yeah. There's this refreshed conversation. Yeah, that's not really a question in there. I'm just kind of saying it is so important, isn't it? This goes to both of you, actually. Svetlana, what's your comment on that? Yeah. I want to double click on what you just said, Hannah, about the diverse people bring more ideas and uh, then the results in a more productive and richer outcome that you're looking for. And it's a very simple mathematic because one person, let's say, can generate around three ideas. And if you have very similar backgrounds, very similar schools of thoughts, business schools, you know, same area, most probably the likelihood of actually having same ideas is very high. If you bring diverse people with different backgrounds, you know, different life experiences, different schools, uh, different geographies, you will get a richer outcome. Mm. So it's very simple. It's mathematically proven. There are statistics and researches around it. The diverse teams create more outcome and have better creative solutions. Yet still we struggle and still we don't have enough diversity in the organizations. We don't have enough diversity uh, on a country level, mm -hmm. like on, on a... Mm on a broader scale, and we didn't know how to tackle this challenge. And for me, it was quite important to kind of to connect on the statements about dare to show up, mm. dare to speak up. Because for me, my professional background, Simona and Hannah, I was, when I was 20, I thought we're all equal and there is no problem. When I was in my 30s, I realized, yes, there is a problem, but I can make it myself. No need to help me. No problem. I'll do it. Right now, I started to show up because it's not about myself, mm. it's actually helping others mm. to have equal opportunities. And I understand we have to do structural changes to make it sustainable. And there for me is the dare to show up. And that's why it's important we talk right now in Deutsche Telekom about this topic with our listeners. And we also talk about it in, you know, in Norway, Hannah, where you are coming from, mm -hmm. in Germany overall, but also um, uh, across the world. Yes. And thank you for sharing that, Svetlana. That brings to me that the idea, what we have to frame here for the sake of the podcast is, of course, to understand that You have this Black Lives Matter movement, which is about su suppression and it's about homicide, it's about genocide, it's about horrible things over hundreds of years and systemic wrongdoings that are trying to be corrected by a big political movement right now. And then through that storm, there are voices of people describing what it's like not to be heard, not to be listened to and to be discriminated against on the basis of the color of their skin or whatever it is. And through that, again, there seems to be this like a new wave of like diversity in all shapes and forms. That conversation is coming to the Inclusion. table. So here we are mm. 
girls. We are three ladies. <laughs> we are definitely white of skin color, all three of us. We would presume that any conversation we might have today, if we were indeed black women, we might have had an added layer to the complexity of that conversation. But we can still sit here today and we can talk about gender also as a form of diversity, even in the boardrooms. Am I right? Yes. Very much though in yeah. the boardrooms, yeah. Yes. How do you work with diversity, Simone, in Desicon? Because you are in the boards, you are part of a management team. How do you work with your team? How do you work with the organization around those topics? So first of all, I think even before I was showing up at DTCon, there was a strong movement in terms of uh, diversity. We do have a diversity network already and they are taking care of us different kinds of diversity of or all different aspects of diversity. So there's definitely a question on gender, but we are also talking about age, we are talking about religion, we're talking about sexual orientation, we are talking about where do people come from, all that that kind of different topics because of the fact that we want to get a greater, diverse and better solutions, greater and diverse teams and better solutions there. So this is something where I think that Datacon already is uh, quite a step into the right direction and we are shaping the future there with our clients as well. What I would additionally like to bring to the table, I think it's yeah one thing that we focus on one topic first. So we are actually, you mm -hmm. talked about the boardroom right now. We were talking about the quota in terms of male and female and the talent. I think focusing on gender diversity has our first priority mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. now, just because we don't want to get lost in that. We want to make that right and we want to learn how to deal with it. Mm. Not in terms of that we are not able to deal with the other topics as well, but I think we are having such a great opportunity to make that right and to really bring Datacon to an equal opportunity, which I think is there already, but we are not showing that in numbers. So I want to bring the numbers up as well. And having said that, I think there is a few topics you really need to concentrate on. And um, first one is it must be driven from the top. You need to have leadership commitment towards it. Mm -hmm. And only if this is true, then everything else can follow. Second is, and that kind of goes hand in hand with the leadership topic, we need to have numbers. We need to look at the different KPIs we have, whether it's in recruiting, whether it's on gendered pay gap, whether it's on promotion slots, all that stuff. We really need to tackle that and not only look at it, but also track it in terms of consequences. What happens if we do have one area where obviously nobody really cares about it? Yeah, then we need to make sure that these people do understand that this is not only a nice wish or an ambition, but that we make this ambition really live and real. And I think this is very important. And thirdly, then it's the podcast has the title Dare to Show Up. I think it's not only showing up, it's living and it's really more this show than tell, mm -hmm. rather show than tell. I think that's very important. So um, I can give you an example of my previous roles. We had a lady apply for a job within our organization and uh, she was obviously pregnant. And we said then, okay, leadership, now it's your time to show mm -hmm. up and to make it happen. And you better hire this lady. And I mean, 
definitely she had the right talent to do that role so there was no regret or no no doubt about the hiring of her at all but the fact of her being pregnant would have made some earlier decisions probably a bit more difficult yeah. but with that we were so proud that all of our leadership was very much committed and very much convinced that this is the right step even though she was out there for her Yeah, paternity leave, which is quite normal and quite right. And she returned and everything was fine. So, And when I'm listening to the story, Simona, I also uh, one thought comes to my mind that diversity becomes a mandatory education for leadership. Yeah. Because that's uh, how we all have to, you know, by this thinking, this unbiased thinking, which sometimes we are not aware, we have to become conscious that we might have it yeah. and watch out for potential samples of um, seeing it in an organization. Yeah, so I'm more and more thinking that, you know, the business schools we have, all the MBAs, all the HR professional certifications, what organizations are doing in corporations is very much about education. It's a must-have skill these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And I think it really starts in every field of our society. It starts in kindergarten where they are still... At least in some ways, um, the girls are more on the drawing tables. The young boys are more into the gymnastic rooms. So we need to break that. I mean, mm. it's a stereotype, I know. But I think to some extent, you still see that happen. And I think it needs to start there. And then we have to push it through in the schools. We have to get it out in, yeah, as I said, in every field of our society. I think there are so many Massive influences, like, for instance, within the commercial industry in the last couple of decades. I remember this guy, actually, it was a man who said it to me once. He said, what if it's not going in the right direction? You know, if you look at gender image, if you look at how women feel they have to look these days and the amounts of operations and injections and makeup and stash that needs stuff that needs to be on us in, you know, the idea of physical beauty, at least here in Norway, I think in many ways it's maybe even bigger now than it was a couple of decades ago. I have no statistics for this, but I sometimes think of it, I spoke to a family therapist about this once, again, a man, and it's a wonderful story because he said, so he's a family therapist and he would have young couples come to him and they'd be in trouble somehow and they'd only just established their kind of family and had kind of, you know, set sail towards the big sunset of being a married couple for whatever amount of years. And they'd been discussing with him and my friend, the family therapist, he would say, it's like they were choosing this very old-fashioned happiness recipe, he said. He said, like, They would choose just intuitively and maybe with like unconscious bias, like you're saying, Svetlana, they would choose for the man to have the better paid job, for the man to have the more important job, for the woman to be the one with a not so important job and making sure she could have space in her life to take care of the kids. And these are actually two very profound happiness recipes. Very few women will tell you that they grew up really, really wishing to not have time enough for the kids. Very few men will grow up and say, oh, I've always wanted to be provided for by a woman. But yeah, no, so the happiness recipe idea of what really drives us, you know, deep down beneath the layers of like corporate success or, yeah, what is a happy life? Huh? This gets pretty deep. Bringing it back to the corporations, if I am a talented and eager young woman today, Simona, and 
what if I was to look at these quotas and kind of think, but I don't want to be hired just because I'm a gender. What would be your comment to that? When I was talking about, I don't want to talk about diversity anymore. Mm. When thinking about that first statement, I think that's kind of my true belief. We are not hiring in quotas. And I'm also, when I said that we do look at the numbers, the deep down belief still is there is equal talent. And I would not give any job to anybody, neither male nor women, nor black or white or whatever you want to have just because of I have to fulfill a certain KPI, there must be the first priority on talent. And I think this is why I would be very confident to answer this young lady, if you're talented, you're in, not because you're a woman, yes. you're in. Yes, yes, yes. We just had this conversation before we went on the recording today that here in Norway, I'm sending from Oslo right now, we've had the quota When it comes to female members of the board, we've had it for years and years. And when I looked at the numbers, it's actually working. Things yeah. have actually changed in the right direction up here. And I also remember when the quota came about, I remember a certain type of woman who would be like, yes, I don't care. Here I come. You know, I won't worry about whether it's because I'm male or female or what am I. I want to do the hard work. I want to use my brains. I want to apply my talent and wisdom and insight. Yes, and I think this should be the way of thinking about it. Still, I mean, as we talked before, I do believe in numbers. I do believe that we must make sure that everybody is aware of what we are driving towards and what we want to achieve. When I was driving up here today for doing that podcast, I was also a bit reflecting on, it's a bit like we have this COVID situation now. There's a big debate about the masks right now. Do we still need them? Probably we won't and we don't need them right now, but it's still a sign that it's not yet over and can come mm. back. And with this masks being the sign for be careful and pay attention, I think looking at the numbers is just about the same thing. Make sure that we don't forget about it. Make sure that before we are not reaching equal, and I mean really equal 50-50, we are not there yet. Mm. So therefore, I think looking at the number is a bit like a sign for me as well. And it's interesting about numbers. Uh, today, getting ready for the podcast, I checked out as of January 2021, the statistics in Germany out of 30 biggest listed companies in Germany as a country, only four have more than one woman on board. So we have a way to go. Yeah. So in generally, only 12, 13 percent, more or less, wow. um, of German companies have female leaders on board. So mind the gap, yeah, Hannah, as we talk about, mind yes. the gap is very big. How do we really bridge the gap and how do we uncover that talent segment, talent source in the companies? Because it's not just the KPIs and hiring talent, yeah? So how do you work, Simona, in Datacon with female talents to help them uh, grow faster? I mean, there's a lot of different recipes out there, I guess, that goes really from the networks that in many companies really work very well. I think that's been driving a lot of ambition and also a lot of success for many of the companies. There is a lot of programs out there with kind of the true belief of getting these more diverse talent in. There is 
a push also from the women as well that they want to pursue these careers, just as Hani just uh, mentioned as well. Mm. So I think there is a lot of things out there. You need to have kind of a basic set, I would say, of different measures. And then I think like we came up then in you know, my previous oral, as I said before, the configurator, that was kind of the breakthrough for us because with that configurator, you were able to define your own working contract as you would define your own car or design your own car. You would be able to choose from where would I would like to work, how long would I would like to work and how many days of vacation would I want to have. That's been between guidelines, but it was very easy to handle. It was very easy to really make it happen. Mm. You, you could choose year by year of a new contract. And for us, that was kind of saying, look, we don't look at you as a man or a woman, but we look at you as an individual and you are able to influence the way you want to work. And I think bringing your best to work, this is what we want. For us, that was kind of, back then was really kind of the thing to have. Configurator. Yes. Yeah, that's what you're yes. It's yeah. a great term. Yeah. Do you yeah. find yourself, well, you don't know, of course, because you don't have sons, but I'm curious about your three daughters. Do you find you address these topics with them in any specific or conscious way? Like, is it part of your raising them? <laughs> Honey, it's the other way around, I would say. They are my constant reminder. <laughs> <laughs> They're raising you. So, oh, I know that one. Yeah. They, they, they educate me at least. Yeah. So yes, it is kind of a, yeah, a conversation with our home, definitely. They are all eager to succeed. I mean, they see me working. I did talk to them just lately because I had one of the programs we also have in Datacom is a working moms network. And I was a guest in one of their sessions just lately. And I was thinking, okay, how can I prepare? And then I asked my daughters, so how do you feel about having a working mom? And my daughters are right now 12, 15 and 18 and as you can imagine, there is different views on the world and on their working mom. Mm. So the little one is still a bit like sometimes you are not at home and sometimes you have calls that are obviously not going so well and then you are stressed and I don't want you to be stressed <laughs> and I don't want. <laughs> so that, that's her view. But the more they kind of take into consideration what's in for me and how do I perceive what my mother is doing, I think that sinks a lot into their daily lives as well. So they are actively asking and they are actively kind of also pursuing and a little bit pressing also on the topic. So we had one discussion just a couple of weeks ago, and I don't remember fully the context, but it was about what profession or what kind of job would I want to do? And that was with my oldest daughter. She's 18 now and she just graduated from school. So, and I was telling her, Charlotte, are you sure that's a purely male domain? And she was looking at me oh. furiously and said, Mama, can you listen to yourself? What did you say right now? So, so she's a really good example. They want the same opportunity. They don't want to be put into one certain drawer yeah. or one certain box or certain side of things. They want to see the whole world and they mm. want to choose from all the opportunities that are there. So 
they're educating me to some extent as well. They sound like they are. And so our children should be doing, like in a way more now than ever, shouldn't they? That really gives me hope, you know, when I look at those younger generations and I hear the consciousness. Also with my two yeah. uh, boys, young men, I'm looking at very conscious, very aware young men who are able to have these conversations in a very kind of three-dimensional and sophisticated way. And like you're saying, Svetlana, this idea that when you're that young, you'll think about it for yourself. But when you get to our age, you're thinking, we want this to be systemic. We want this conversation to go wider so that we make sure that for the decades that come, there is actually the development that we would like to see. You guys, of course, have yeah. such a role model at the top of your tower here. I mean, I sometimes think of her as so uncelebrated. When she finally leaves office, she's leaving office now, isn't she? Angela Merkel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys have to celebrate her and just thank her from, you know, from the rest of the she's world. She's been a symbol. <laughs> pretty, Indeed. Pretty Indeed. decent job there. And so she has been a role model, but there's not like a 50-50 gender balance in her governments, is there? No, no, it's not. But I think they're getting a little bit closer. So I think if you compare her group around her, it's pretty much becoming more diverse than it was before. So I think we're not Canada yet, no. uh, where I think Mr. Trudeau has done a, a brilliant job. Yeah. on the path. Yeah. <laughs> the journey to get there. But it's definitely a lot better than before. Yes. My recent also reflection on the topic of daring to show up and the diversity is our work with talent in Deutsche Telekom. So as listeners might be know, if you haven't heard about it, check it out. Our first initial episodes, we talked about uh, the new initiative of actually hunting for talents for the future critical positions. And there, of course, we want to have diverse pool where you would have male and female uh, nationality, geography, thinking. And I'm these days very much in a dialogue with talents. And we are having conversations about what's next for you, how can we support, how can we really help you meet your personal individual goals and to kind of create your career going forward. More than from males, I hear a feeling of overwhelm among female talents. And also the feeling of not having time for yourself. Have you experienced that maybe in Desicon, Simona? Uh, so it's it's really a female talent which we have in our hub would be thinking about the job she's doing right now and the challenges she's solving. And of course, the family and the kids and everything comes with you. So you don't have time to pause and actually invest some time and resources into your career steps. So I realized that the support, also the systematic support of breaking through the quotas mm -hmm. and having the environment where you have the uh, inclusion and diversity is also very much about individual work mm. with females. And maybe it's some career, kind of career stages where mm -hmm. they are, whether you just came back from maternity leave or whether you are, you know, just got a challenging job, but you really need support. Do you have any maybe coaching, any support, any programs for different stages of female talents? Yeah, and I think you mentioned a very good topic as well. I think you need different things in the different stages mm, of your career. Yeah. So I think having these broader, as we said, networks or programs really supporting your talent. And I don't want to 
do it by gender now, but really making sure that you have the right support for your role in no that. No matter in who that, you are, mm, exactly, yeah, for the talents you possess. Mm. In that very moment. So I think this is very important. For me, it was always a bit also in terms of really role models. So I always felt very bound to different yeah, women or men, it didn't really matter. But when I thought I could learn something from them. So for me, it was really a lot about role models. And I think the more role models, also female role models we have, the better it is. Because again, diverse models for different levels of work or roles. And you need to then be able to choose from these different role models. So that for me is very important. That's the one thing. And the other hand, I think it's also very important to think about networks, but kind of self-sustained networks a little bit. Like we have this working moms network. They deliberately choose to come together because they felt they have something in common and they wanted to share ideas and tricks and tips and experiences and all of that. So I think that's a fantastic idea and giving the room for something like this mm. is so important. And I think this is our organizational task and duty to make sure that we give room for these networks, that we give room for people to look for a role model, that we kind of foster these relationships. That's, I think, where we need to create that space as an organization. But the individual has to take Love it on it. then. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So creating space and actually treating people as human beings because you create a space for the needs your employees yeah. have. Yeah. And different employees can have different needs, but you're coming to work as your whole self. And if organization creates an environment where your needs are met, that's beautiful. That is beautiful for sure. And that's not the daring to show up part. That's the giving space for showing up. So there's two sides to this, isn't it? It's daring to show up, daring to be brave mm -hmm. enough to make your voice heard and to be seen and understood for who you actually are. And then on the other side, there's the actual giving space for people to dare to do it. I just want to say while we're on that topic, Simona, because there's a fabulous television series called Working Moms. Did you see it yet? Okay. No, it's, that's on your must-watch list. It's a, <laughs> it's, a new, it's a new one, true. It's yeah. a stunner. Okay. And the women in the series are younger than all of us. But uh -huh. watch that series because it deals with okay. all of these like intricate situations that working moms will get into. And it deals with them in the most amazingly feministic and forward-leaning mm -hmm. and sophisticated way I've seen. You should watch it. I think it's Very Canadian. Cool. I think it's Canadian, actually. So maybe Trudeau okay. had something to do with it. Um, <laughs> Very good. So here we are, and we're discussing and daring to discuss, might I add, this pretty big word, diversity, in terms of our experience as women. And my question for the both of you is, did you ever actually have a situation in your life, work life or private life, where you're kind of thinking oh my lordy, I am being treated differently just simply because I'm a woman. Did it ever happen to any one of you? It happened to me, but you go first. I had a couple of different situations overall. I remember myself when I just had my first daughter and I was traveling a lot at that point in time. And I remember in the company where I worked, I was able to pick her up and just travel from Oslo to Bangkok at that point in time to have talent review for the management team. Uh, in one of the companies and that was normal 
So it was not considered as something that it's not a norm. That's about creating the space, as you just discussed. Yes. Not just to dare to show up, but creating the space and it's a norm, it's accepted, it's humanity. We all have been there. So that was really appreciated. On the other hand, I did have a few situations where I was judged by the looks. You know, if you, the listeners don't see me, but I'm, you know, sometimes I'm looking sometimes like just a girl. And every time I'm telling myself, it's going to change a couple of years, <laughs> a couple of years, I'll be there. But very often it takes for me some efforts to be accepted seriously. I don't have authoritative looks and feels, though I do make an impact. And that openness from organizations to embrace me being different. Mm -hmm. Not always easy. Not always easy. Oh, I think there's such a big point in there. I speak a lot because, of course, Simona, I do communication training, some other things, like for different corporations. And mm -hmm. over the years, of course, I've trained thousands and thousands of female talent. And we sometimes have this conversation about beauty, Because it's like, if you come across as too beautiful, and I think I've seen some numbers on this, if you're too pretty, if you're too beautiful, then men won't trust their own judgment. So they won't hire you because they're frightened that they're doing something wrong. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> what they say here in Norway, they say on a scale from one to 10, you need to hit a seven. You know, but if you mm -hmm. go beyond the seven, you'll, you'll be in trouble. So the misunderstandings to do with all of that, that lies here as a kind of potential minefield too, doesn't it? But Simona, what about you? Did you ever have a, a story where you felt treated differently? I do have a story. I think the normal story every woman probably once had is the one at the car cellar where you just are ignored. <laughs> yes, yes, Despite yes. Despite the fact that, <laughs> that you're, You're willing to pay for it. You're so, the buyer. So, yes. the, but, that, but that's probably the most stereotype that you can find. But it also happened to me. So, but that did not uh, really hurt me or anyway. I'm the CEO of my own little company and we're only little mm -hmm. and we're not very significant, but I am the CEO and we've been around for 20 years and we do kind of train people on four continents. And I was meeting a top management one day together with my three colleagues. So there's my three male colleagues and then there's me who's the CEO and there's this guy coming to greet and meet us in the reception area. So we're standing in a semicircle and there's like the three of us and there's me, like there's, we're four all together. And the guy, he greets man number one, man number two, then he ignores me and greets man number three and then he goes back to me. <laughs> and greets me. Yeah. And so I'm a Scandi woman, I'm a Viking soul, I'm so used to gender balance being the norm, you know, I'm so used to not thinking like that. The wisdom I sucked out of that story was how incredibly hurt and vulnerable and angry I felt on the inside from that treatment. And poor guy, of course, we get into the meeting room and we start doing introductions and he just dies. But he thought I was the yeah. secretary, obviously, or, you know, and there's, there's nothing wrong yeah. with being that. But my observation was that it intimidated me so much, it was hard for me to act with authority afterwards, just from that mm -hmm. one simple incident. Yeah. And I'll come back to that in one minute, but you ask whether I have another story. Yeah, I do. It was one that really astonished me as well or surprised me as well, because I was also kind of like you just explained, uh, Svetlana, you never had the feeling in your 20s that there is something different or mm. um, only when you're getting a bit more grown up. So I was actually 
not granted a promotion due to the fact that I was um, going on pater or maternity leave no way. back then. Right now it's 15 years ago, so I can live with it. <laughs> it worked out in the end. <laughs> But yeah, that was kind of a not so nice observation back then. And that was the first time where I thought, okay, there is obviously a difference. But it really took me until pregnancy to realize that. Until then, I had no such situations or treatments. In that situation, if I try for one second to look at that situation kind of a little bit objectively and from a distance, if we observe you, Simona, at that time in your life, probably as a female talent of some, like you are a resource. Can I ask you on the inside, I mean, it sounds like just the most horrendous story. What did it make you feel at the time? I was angry and I was feeling, okay, it really happens. I was also very much surprised because this was nothing that I was used to. I mean, I grew up, as I said, yeah, in a very traditional way and in a very traditional part of Germany as well. And I had two brothers who were twins. And I think my parents did a fantastic job of making us feel totally equal. So mm. I was feeling equal During school, I was feeling equal. During my studies, I was also, when I entered the workplace, I was feeling totally the same level mm. as everybody else. Mm. And then kind of the first time when this hit, it was like, okay, <sighs> they are true. Yeah, <laughs> there, there is obviously something wrong. Yeah, as I said, I was more angry than I was worried or hurt because then I thought, okay, Look, I'll be coming back after my maternity leave and then, oh, good. then we talk again. That's a, <laughs> that's a resilient voice speaking right there. I think if we're doing something here, maybe we can create some kind of understanding or echo. And the echo that I'm hearing, which I think is very believable and very recognizable for a lot of black people I speak to or people of color, it's that... People say that it's going to be like one thing and then it that's not really what's going on. So the double standard of like, no, 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 there's no racism here. Come on. You know, you know, it's all good. It's 2021. And then the experience of not being listened to in a presentation or not being taken seriously in a meeting or, you know, I think that double standard is very hard. So your revelation of like, okay, that's what it's really like. If I understand things correctly these days, I think it's a hot topic and I think it's one we need to take very seriously and creating one standard to not have these anecdotes flying around in the corridors anymore. I think that's going to take us to the future we've been trying to dream of today. Yeah, very true. And one quick sentence back to your message in terms of I was feeling hurt and I was treated like the secretary here. I think therefore it is so important. We talked about creating space and making sure that we have the right opportunities. Therefore, one thing for me very, very important is when being in that role and when making sure that we have these equal opportunities is also making sure that we mm. have women in the right roles. I think this is so important to create these opportunities for those roles and not say like, okay, maybe coming back from maternity leave, well, she will now focus on her family and all of that stuff, but really making sure that she has the same opportunity than every man that she is on a partner election 
process and all of that and not assuming that there is another focus right now. So I think there is also a lot yes, of, yes, yes. we talked about the unconscious bias before. I think we are all kind of vulnerable to this unconscious bias. And I think one of the things is really making sure that we are aware of that and, and making sure that we don't let ourselves slip in that direction. Yeah. Yes. Because it's quite easy. Yeah. yeah. It's unconscious. Yeah. And you might not have bad intentions, right? So it's just, yeah. you are just not aware what impact you might be making in here. And that's the role of organizations. And I'm very happy right now that in, in DT, but also in many other German and non-German companies, this mm. topic becomes quite a serious one. And as you mentioned, Simone, it starts with the CEO, it starts with the board, um, uh, that understanding and then cascades it down to organizations um, to create that space. I would be willing to create a whole different podcast episode on the idea of when you put men and women in a room, do you actually create diversity? Is that where diversity starts? And I know there's some figures, at least here in Norway, that shows that, you know, there can be more differences between you and me than between me and a man. So we need to dig under the surface on that one too, very quickly. And do we, in fact, as women, I know it's a silly question, I would probably want to answer it myself, but I'm going to ask it to you. Do we have to become men in order to succeed and travel the elevator upwards in organizations? Do we have to become masculine in our behaviors? No, then we kill diversity. Then we kill diversity. Okay, good. Yeah, Svetlana? No, I also agree with Simona. We should come. Human centricity is about being authentic. And you bring different energy, you bring different stake on the table. That's why it actually enriches the conversation, it enriches the outcome in here. But I think, Hannah, you were into the topic of diversity of thinking very much yes. than just the diversity yes. of skin color or background or uh, gender per se. And diversity yes. of thinking and actually how to work with diversity is another big topic for leaders and organizations to work with because it's actually hell hard <laughs> and you have yeah. many different opinions in a team. Yeah. And how do you deal with that? And how do you create rich outcomes? It's much harder than you have the team that yes. thinks the same. Because I heard the other day, I spoke to a woman from a completely different context. She's in the music industry. She's a singer. She's quite a well-known singer here in Norway, actually. And she said that, you know, the basic idea of the music band, the rock band, she said, it's such a male idea. All the instruments are made for males. All the expression, at least of rock and roll, is very often, it's a very male setup. And she said, she's a highly feministic, highly vocal woman. She said, you know, I have no desire or need to go into this male architecture. And it suddenly struck me that, you know, whatever male means, like masculine energy in that context, that doesn't mean to say that your gender is masculine. It just means to say that your energy is masculine. And we can certainly say, can't we, that the corporate world has quite a lot of masculine energy, if you move to the classical interpretation of that, and that some feminine energy could be cool, both for the music industry and for the corporations of the world. <laughs> I think it's so important that we, as the human-centric podcast that we are, that we differentiate between gender and feminine and masculine energy, because it can indeed appear a lot of masculine energy in a woman and the same with feminine energy in a man. Yeah. But that's a, it really made me think because it's like, oh my God, yes, it is. it has been pretty much created by men over the years. 
the way we've constructed our corporations so far, so far. It's to be uh, continued, that one. That will change for sure. We are coming towards the end of this. Are, is there any finishing remarks or where are we now? Are we any wiser? Are we any wiser? I think we are on the journey. So therefore, mm. I think every step we take in that journey makes us wiser, to be honest with mm. you. So uh, every discussion around quota, any discussion around what supports our talent in our organization does make us wiser. And I think dare to show up also sometimes mean dare to try out, dare to try new things, dare to think beyond uh, the rivers of mine or whatever there is another boundary in your life so i think it's probably not that one single thing that we need to do it's not the rocket science or the mm. yeah in germany there is an expression i don't know whether it exists in english it's the egg of the columbus yes the, so the columbia egg we have that in norwegian yeah, okay. anyway yeah so the silver bullet it is i think in english so there is not the silver bullet that all makes it happen in one go i think it's really a journey it's a, a way of getting there but i think we are on a good direction towards that that's a good morale Svetlana, do you want to add anything? Yeah, you know, I was uh, um, on one hand, one we could be thinking that there's so much said about diversity and I be any wiser. And I agree with Simona, maybe we're not wiser, but there's not enough said about it. I think we should really continue to show up mm. and we should be very, very consistent in all the efforts to protect the first, you know, changes we are making in the company, such as Deutsche Telekom or in the society of a country or even more. Um, so I really enjoyed the conversations. I hope the listeners took something with them. And hopefully, Simona, your dream in 40, 50 years when we are not speaking about diversity anymore comes yes. true. Hallelujah. 40, 50 Thank years you. from now, they're saying, really? They had to have this podcast Diversity, about it? what? Why? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure. And give our love to your daughters. I uh, will. I will definitely. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Simona. Thank you, Hannah. To find out the deeper meaning of talent and its human aspects in business environments, subscribe to the Human Centric Podcast and stay tuned.